For episode number nine, we're going to go to Detroit and talk about Michael Rasmussen. Michael Rasmussen, I think, is a guy who's trending in the right direction there in Detroit. I think he's he's catching that situation in Detroit at the right time. Has a great opportunity to grow with that core, if not become a big part of that core. And so I think he is next year or so is going to be a very interesting for him. So this guy is six foot six uh, player. It's fascinating players that are that size um, who move as well as this guy. He can really skate um, for a, he can really skate in general, but for a guy six six, he can really skate. And so that makes it very interesting. Um, he's a guy who scored uh, quite a few goals in his day as well. In Tri-City, he was a scoring machine. He had over 30 goals a couple times. He walked into Detroit uh, in 2018-2019, scored eight then. And then last year, had 15 uh, for the Red Wings. So to me, that's interesting. And his shooting percentage is not like through the roof where you're like, okay, like this guy could have a problem or this is, this is something that leads me to believe that there's something here that's pretty exciting. So, um, when I looked at his goal profile for this year, I was just curious, like once, once I got into him, I wanted to take a look at how does he score and does how he score ma- score match up with the type of game that he plays. Sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. When it does, it gives you pause for real excitement. Um, and so for him, it definitely does. Um, he had 10 even strength rush goals. Two breakaways, both of those were five-hole goals, which I thought was really interesting. He had five shots, so opportunities off the rush where he took the shot and scored. He had two distant shots that were uh, were a little bit uh, fortunate, and then he had three net front goals, two of which he was under the D, and one he was coming down on the net. And then he had two even strength goals for his 15. Now his his shooting profile. So what I did was I went from his goal profile. Then I went into all of his shots on goal. And I wanted to see what was, whether he had some high event situations that were not producing for him. Or if he had some low event that was high producing for him. So I wanted to kind of see what was different. The thing that really stood out is he had... He had he's twenty five pretty much almost a twenty five percent shooter off the rush. Like if he if he decides he's going to shoot, he shoots it well, and he gets himself he deci- he gets himself in good positions to shoot, and he makes good decisions in that shooting situation. So not only does he find himself in good spots, but when he's there, he makes a good decision to shoot. And he has a little bit of deception, although not crazy, uh, but he shoots it very well. Then he had. The offensive zone, like below the dots, or no, sorry, offensive zone play just in general, he had generated 30 shots, didn't score in those situations. Um, but net front areas, he had another 30, so like 60 shots total between the rush shots and that, sorry, between the offensive zone shots and the net front shots at 60 shots in total and he he had um only the 
only the three net front goals. Nothing really from other areas, um, which was a little bit surprising. The one rush, I classified one of his goals. It was actually like a rebound goal, but it, it was a play off the rush, and then there was a play at the net, and he scored. Probably could could put it in as the as a uh, as a rush goal, but nothing like nothing like a catch and shoot or something in the slot or like a high high three on two attacking downhill, like nothing like that, which really surprised me with a guy who shoots as well as he does. That's a situation that was curious. So I wanted to go through and, and really take a look at that. Now of the net front shots, what was really interesting was that he had 11 wraparounds or back wall kind of walkout situations, 38% of his play of his of his shots from there with no results. So that's a high event situation that's producing no results. So that's an immediate area of opportunity, right? So what's going on when he's at the net? So one, he doesn't get under the D enough in my opinion i'd like to see him get under the d and especially with how tall he is he could really control the back wall a lot more than he does um he gets in front of the d so the problem is when you're in front of the d you only have the tip or rebound like tip kind of plays from that area you you're not really able to control the back wall when you're under the d you have the you have the tip, you have the rebound, you have exclusive access to the rebound, you can control space there in between the goal line and where you are, so there's a lot of advantages there. And then the most important part is the back wall, the ability to make plays on change of sides, and in his case, he likes walkouts and wraparounds, so like to me, he could get in that situation even more if he was under the D more, so that's a, that's, uh, that's a situation that I think would be worth him taking a look at. The biggest thing with his wrap rounds is he's very tight. He gets tight and he doesn't use his reach or his size. He may as well be five foot seven for the amount of reach that he uses. And so that's a huge thing. A lot of the wraps that are going in now from guys that score them tend to be guys where they're looking to go all the way to the far side. So they're not looking for like the little one right you know, right to beat the goalie to the post or even like halfway and try to find some wrap, some five hole type situation. These guys are coming around and they're using reach and coming all the way around and looking to try to find it on the far side with his size and reach and range. Like it would make infinite sense for him to find a way to use his skating ability, which he skates well, but doesn't skate well below the dots. He doesn't use his skating below the dots very well. Matter of fact, in the offensive zone, he doesn't use his skating very well. Um, and so his tactical acceleration, in my opinion, is an area of opportunity for him. Um, like he doesn't elevate speed and like roll over the top or attack off the half wall or at, or like the biggest problem he has in the offensive zone for me, aside from this whole situation on the back wall. So let's say the next biggest area of opportunity is he doesn't get any second puck shots, which is really the way you score in the offensive zone nowadays is that you got to make a play on a, on a puck uh, that allows you to relocate 
and get it back. And when you get it back, then you can shoot it. You can shoot it off the pass. You can choose your relocation area. So now you can be smart about how you're going to, whether you're attacking down or you're sliding into a seam or what have you. But the second or third puck in the sequence is really where the money is. And he doesn't get any of those. Like the couple times that he does, it's really, it was really good, but he just doesn't get it enough. So that would be another area of focus for me for him um he's very good with some he had had some excellent like f2 four check and then attack the net situations he's not a very good f1 but he's he can he does some good things as an f2 where he can read the play get over there intercept um or steal a puck with his body and then off he goes uh, and he can attack the net so that was that was definitely an area of opportunity um, when I watched him, he I, I picked three games, and uh, one game he played center, and two other two of the other games he played wing. So it was very interesting to see. The first game that he played wing, he was playing with Suter, uh, who's not really a center who plays the middle of the ice. Um, he he he's not that guy. So Rasmussen played a lot in rotation coming off the wall and becoming the center, which I thought he was much better at as the center. Um, and so that got me thinking, um, uh, as a winger, he gets stuck standing still. Uh, and so he, he is a much better skater when he's a centerman and he's, uh, he, as a, he, he's not, uh, not stopped as much and he's able to skate on the arc which is a big deal um, for guys his size that can skate they typically can skate well on the arc and he's that guy so playing wing is hard unless he's able to rotate frequently into the middle of the ice and utilize the middle of the ice then he then you can really do something but when he's a straight winger he gets caught in the neutral zone, slowing down and waiting. He's not overly purposeful. He's not. He, he if he gets stuck as an anchor, now he's got to get it and move it. So it what a, what a problem is is his neutral zone as a winger is not strong <clears throat> in terms of his overall speed that he generates. Even though he's a guy who's a good skater, his skating tends to his best skating tends to come when he works off the arc. So if he's the weak side winger and he rotates into the middle of the ice, and now he's you know going from one side to the other. Well, that's a different story because now he's on the arc and he can get going and then you can really see his skating. If he's starting on the left side and he continues to go up the left wall, that's problems. He, he tends to slow down. It's not He's not on the arc. It, it tends, to be, uh, tends to be harder for him. So he's not really a good F1. He gets caught in situations where he's a day late and a dollar short. Um, he doesn't get any disruptions, no real takeaways. But his skating ability and his reach suggests this could be a strength. So he'd probably be a better F1 as a center because he'd be coming through the neutral zone with more speed. He'd be able to get in. There was a few times he could contest it when he was the center. So it got me thinking that that perhaps uh, as a center. And it doesn't mean he has to be a center. What I'm saying is, is that you got to play with guys who don't want to play the middle of the ice, which allows him to get into the middle of the ice a lot more and use his strength and his, of his skating. So it's more that situation than it is, uh, than it is anything else. Like the other thing that's really interesting about him is his entire game below the dots of the offensive zone. I think the whole perspective needs to be rebuilt and reshaped. What does he think that's important? the routes he chooses and the positions that he's in 
playing in front or behind under the D, that whole situation would need to be you know better defined and have a better understanding. And then improving his uh, first puck to get the second puck in a shooting position. And then, of course, the back, wrap, back walls, uh, wrap, back wall play from the wraps and stuff uh, and using his assets. But what I mean by what he thinks is important, he tends to be stopped a lot in the offensive zone. And offense is about movement. And so if you want to be good in the offensive zone, you got to have movement. And, you know, you have to pick certain routes and and certain positions that allow you to be in in then allow you to get involved from a movement perspective. And then today's game, you know, is starting to evolve where a lot of the D are getting active. And so there's much more of a high three on two. There's the, the pressure on forwards to reload, whether it be an F2 track or an F3 reload, getting up and getting high in the zone is much higher. These are not routes that he uses. But that's what where the game is going. So that would be something that that he should be really thinking about. I think he's good on the back wall in terms of being able to position himself. When he does it well, it's good. But getting in those positions more where he can catch the puck with a little more movement, get his and that's what I mean about getting his skating involved down low. I think that that's a major area of opportunity for him. He doesn't utilize his skating ability when he's in the offensive zone. He plays very slow and methodical and stopped. And if he could elevate his speed, then he could get going. And this is most of the problem with the first, like that first puck. A lot of times that first puck, he's catching it stopped. So now, even if he moves it, he's stopped. But if he can get there, get that first touch on a loose puck or whatever, he gets it with a little bit of movement. Now he can make a play. Now he's already moving, so it's natural that he's going to be able to move into the next spot and get into a better shooting position. So that whole situation of what he thinks is important, the routes that he picks and the positions that he puts himself in, and then how he understands what he's going to do at the net and having an understanding of like the utilization of the whole zone, I think that that's a major area of opportunity for him. Um, the other area of opportunity for him is the D, like the, when he's the winger in the D zone, this is also a problem. He's like one of the challenges of playing with a team that is struggles is that they tend to spend a lot more time in the D zone. So his team is on the rise, but they're under 500. And so you spend a lot of time in the D zone. So you end up with this, like, just get it out type mentality. So he's like chipping it out. Uh, he doesn't establish good body positions. It's, uh, there's not a lot of control necessarily. He's not shielding, um, his body on the pinch to, to build. And this guy could be an eclipse. I mean, his body is so big. He could really do some interesting things if he used it, but he, he's not looking to shield with his back to the blue line. He's looking to chip. So now the puck is exposed all the time. The D can take away the wall and choose how they're going like, to, the whole thing is just, not conducive to making plays. Um, he's looking to just get it out. Um, and so there's not a lot of controlled exits that are contested. If it's contested, it's not going to be under control. There's no use of the weak side D. Like they're not, he's not doing that. But that's something where you got to shield the puck, build, build, build body position, get your back to the blue line, 
and be able to make plays into the middle of the ice. That's that's not happening. Or coming back into the zone even. Like come back in the zone, invite the D down, and then use the weak side. Now he can get his feet moving. Like that would be an interesting uh, aspect to add to his game. And then just overall dealing with rimmed pucks, being able to handle rim pucks better. Uh, but again, that's a situation where on a rim puck, your body position first is better. And so trying to find situations in which he can figure out body position, I think would be best. I mean, overall, his 10 foot game on the walls all over the sheet is in need of work. And most of it is because body position in the NHL is a use of body. You have to use your, sorry, you have to use your body early. You want to establish early body position. You cannot be chasing body position in the NHL. You're just not going to do it. You need to get it early. The people that are successful with body position establish it early. So if you're if you're it's if body position is an afterthought or a skill along the way that you're going to potentially utilize and not a priority, you're going to struggle with body position, and that's where Michael struggles is that he, he body position is number one. And with a guy with this size, this is an area where he could immediately really improve, but it's a mental change. You got to learn. I'm preserving space. I'm going to spin. I'm going to roll. I'm going to put a guy on my hip and I'm going to manipulate and I'm going to use, I'm going to preserve space between me and the wall so that I can move. I know the type of play that I want to make, and then I'm just going to make it. I'm either going to pop it to you, or I'm going to spin and pop it. He's going to use like softer passing skills. A lot of times when he gets it, he's stopped, the puck's exposed, and he's just looking to kind of like rim it to, from one side of the rink to the other. There's not a lot of pop plays, which is, again, that's that first touch, right? That first touch, making a positive play here can make a big difference, could allow him to relocate, put himself in some better spots to get a second puck to shoot, which is where I think his area of opportunity is to really uh, to really improve offensively. I think this guy could be a breakout player like Tage Thompson. Uh, I, th- I see a lot of similarities uh, between the two of them. I, I, when I started thinking about Tage Thompson, I went back and I looked at his game's like when he when they first went in the bubble in uh I was 2020 2021 sorry they went in the bubble and then his games from this year and I just wanted to see the difference cuz this year of course he played a lot of center if not almost all center and the year before he was playing wing if not all wing and so it was int- I wanted to see what would the difference was and if I was really smart I would have been ahead of this before Tage Thompson broke out but instead my hindsight here is 2020 uh but kudos to buffalo for recognizing this and and putting him in this position to be successful so all that being said um tage thompson uh and i want to just go through some of the things that's interesting about him and as it relates to rasmussen and and where there could be where there could be some parallels here so thompson um, in 2018-2019, scored seven goals. And then in 2020 and 2021, he scored eight in 38 games. And then last year, of course, he broke out with nearly 40. Um, but again, his shooting percentage 
has popped obviously to to a much higher percentage of 15%, which I don't think is like cause to say, okay, well this, he's going to come back. I, I think that he could be that 40 goal score, if not more. I mean, you, you can see the potential for him uh, can be, can be immense. So how does that relate to Rasmussen? Well, Rasmussen this year scored 10 off the rush. When Thompson scored his eight in 2021, he had one off the rush, and the last year it's six. Um, net front, they had he had Rasmussen had three, and Thompson last year had three. The difference is in the offensive zone. The offensive zone, Rasmussen had none unless they were net front, um, and and Thompson had 17. And that's the difference because that's Thompson's game. Thompson's game is second pucks and third pucks and shooting pucks off the pass and relocating and playing high in the zone. I mean, he is really, uh, he's really the poster boy almost, uh, him and McKinnon maybe, for guys who make a living up really high in the zone and want to attack downhill and work into the funnel. And he has excellent ability to preserve space. And he finds he finds space to shoot. Um, and he, but he's a reload guy. He's going to go in. He makes a first touch. Um, he has ability to make a 10-foot pass off the wall. Uh, and then he relocates. He relocates into the, into the, into the, uh, the, into the middle of the ice. And he's a brilliant second puck shooter. I mean, his he he really does a great job of that. And so, there's probably something that Rasmussen could steal here uh, from watching a guy like Thompson and how he operates off these second pucks. I mean, Thompson is this is genius level shot manufacturing into his assets. That's it's genius level ability to do that. He knows what he's good at and he po- finds himself in those situations over and over again. He plays the middle of the ice in the offensive zone. So it's very interesting. When I studied Thompson in 2021 as a winger, he's also not a strong F1. And he was very good in F2, as an F2. He was stopped a lot, same as same as uh, as Rasmussen. And he had a hard time engaging, re-engaging, particularly off the rush. Like off the rush, um, he'd be stopped in the D zone, and then he'd also be stopped as the anchor at times, which made it much more difficult. What he was doing, though, was rotating in as the center and became the center or got through the middle of the ice, and then you'd see him come alive. And so it didn't take long to see like really that ability to come through the middle of the ice and be in the middle of the ice. So, and then once he's in the offensive zone, he wants to rotate up as F3 and then he attacks down and he finds this, these areas and he's a really, really good shooter um, in those areas, like top, top level shooter in that area. Now he played in the games that I, I only watched a few games cause I just wanted to get a sense, but he was playing with middle stat who is also a center who doesn't always play the middle of the ice. And so Middlestat may have inadvertently, I don't know how long they played together. They could have played two games together and those are both the games that I watched. Or they could be, you know, or he could play a lot with them. I, I don't know. Uh, but the games that I watched, uh, Middlestat was, 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 had inadvertently 
develop Thompson, I think, as a center because he he was constantly rotating out of center and moving to the walls, and you'd see Thompson moving into that middle spot. So he was clearly a winger that wanted to play the middle, and the value of that was movement. You're moving now, and he gets on the arc, and Thompson is an excellent arc accelerator as well. And so that makes that makes it very interesting uh, to take a look at uh, when when you see a guy doing that, and then you like you look at Rasmussen. Rasmussen's an arc accelerator, and he's so he's good, and he's and he needs a little bit of runway to get her going. And when he does, he's very good, and he's a very good skater. Matter of fact, I think Rasmussen's first three steps are probably better than Thompson's, but Thompson is a much better. A tactical accelerator. He knows where he's trying to go. He's it's smarter in the routes that he takes, and he moves with purpose. Where Rasmussen can get caught accelerating, but but then finding hard harder time figuring out how to engage. Like if he's got to slow down, he has a hard time figuring it out. Uh, where and learning to apply his skating in a, in a tactical way. Where I think Thompson's ahead of him that way. Uh, but it's not to say that. Rasmussen can't figure out more ways if he knows the value of these rotations. If he's playing wing, figure out how to get in, how to get inside. And maybe Suter is his guy. Maybe Suter's his guy that is like Middlestat for for Thompson. So it is very interesting. Um, now, when he was when Thompson was a center last year. And he was, I watched games where he was playing with Tuck. He was playing with Tuck and Skinner. Those were the two guys. I love Tuck. I think Tuck's an unbelievable player. And he's a winger who likes to play the middle of the ice, and he can fly. And he's a very good F1. And so what happens is that keeps Thompson moving because he's switching in and out of center. It allows Thompson to stay on the arc and keeps him in motion. And then that really highlights and brings out the best in him. So I think that that combination. Now, of course, he didn't play. Like Thompson didn't play with Tuck all year. I just say it. I was the games I watched. I'm sure he was doing some really special things earlier in the year. I didn't see it because uh, I only watched a few games because I wanted to get an understanding. This is about Rasmussen, uh, but it's very. I just wanted to kind of take a look at a comparison because I feel like this this Rasmussen kid could he could pop, he could he could take off. And, but if he takes off, I think there's some interesting pieces that Thompson has that could, that would really give him some insight. So uh, I think that there's something here with this kid. I, I really do. And I, I think that it's, uh, it, there's some things that he could add that are not uh, terribly difficult, but then there are some things that are much harder. The hardest thing is reshaping mentality in the offensive zone and having this second puck priority and, and really rebuilding what he thinks is important there. That would be a bit of a challenge. Um, and the tactical acceleration, learning how to utilize when a center vacates to use that space or initiate that movement by getting in there and getting on the arc much more and figuring out how he wants to stay engaged in the neutral zone so that he could really improve his F1. So I see him like improve. If you really looked at the, like looked at him from, like the the defensive zone out. So he'd need to really understand his the defensive zone body position, 
so that he could win more pucks, get away from just get it out, and let's try to make some plays. There's a time to get it out, of course, depending on the shift length and all that kind of There's a lot of factors that weigh into that. But overall, let's make a few more plays. And by making a few more plays, he's going to get more better body position earlier. He's going to put himself in, uh, in some spots where he can use uh, you make a play that allows him to re-engage and get on the arc and get skating. So that would be one. In the D zone, find a way to get engaged and and also find opportunities on the arc, whether it's changing sides or if he's the center, it's a little, a little better, a little different. Uh, but if he's the winger, he can still play the middle of the ice. Um, you just got to find a way to do it. And if you're with a guy like a suitor, then it might make some sense. Uh, where he's, you're going to be able to get a lot more opportunity. The other game I saw him play was with Larkin. Now, Larkin's a center who plays the middle of the ice, so it's harder. Uh, but still, you can do it uh, if you find the right time. So that would be one. Then the neutral zone we talked about, and then uh, go, getting into his F1. Now, F1 is important to get takeaways or disruptions because if he can get the disruption, then he can relocate off the disruption. And then he can relocate into some spots where now he's higher in the zone and he can look to be a shooter or get involved with some movement in the high part of the zone. Then when that play is not there or where he gets his shot, whatever the case be, now he rotates back to the net. Once he lands at the net, get under the D, and now he can play anything that comes at the net. He's under the D, he can build some space, some shooting space. And then if there's no shot, they rim it around, he's got exclusive access to get the back of the net and now rebuild that wrap situation. The wraps and the walkouts, that whole area would be a major area of opportunity for him as well. So that's kind of how I would see it with him. And then again, you get the puck on the back wall. Uh, If it's not a wrap walkout situation, then it's a play. You got to make a 10 foot play somewhere that allows you then to relocate and work yourself back up top and then continue to work Uh, with a lot more movement in the offensive zone. I think that those aspects are what's, those types of ideas are what's going to put him in a position to use an asset that he doesn't use in the offensive zone. He doesn't use his shooting in the offensive zone because he doesn't put himself in shooting positions where that's the difference between him and Thompson. Thompson's scoring a ridiculous amount of goals in the offensive zone because he excels in this one area. Now, I'm not saying... This guy's going to score 38 goals, but he could for sure get to 20 or 25 by finding six or seven or eight goals in the offensive zone that he currently can't get right now. He's not getting, if he can get two or three off a wrap and then he gets five or six in the offensive zone in relocation, second pucks, or even just uh, second, or even just high shooting situations in the offensive zone that he could use as asset. This guy all of a sudden goes from, you know, 15 to now he's maybe 22, 23, 24 goals. That's a big deal. Like that's, it's hard to score 20 goals in that league. And so this is some interesting, like he's a fascinating player. Um, and I, I think he is one of those guys that could, could really break out and, and be really an interesting player uh, going forward, given all his assets. And, and when you see now a guy like Thompson playing the middle of the ice and coming alive. And then you see this kid Rasmussen maybe doing it. All of a sudden these big guys who can skate 
um, controlling the middle of the ice becomes really fascinating for the next development of the game. Like they represent interesting aspects that make it, make it, make the game better. And so we need, we need Rasmussen to take off because I think it's good for the game. 